This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single Monday. And hosted by us. talking with Gabrielle Reese, pro athlete, New York Times bestselling author, host, and fun fact, part-time resident of Hawaii, where she's Skyping in from on our show today. Mm-hmm. Gabby also has a new podcast of her own, The Truth Barrel, along with her work as an entrepreneur in the health and wellness space and an active public speaking schedule. She is certainly living the human Venn diagram lifestyle. She is. We discuss the power of diversifying, which we know all about, but through the lens of athletics. Also, why mentors are essential, why worrying is not, and why it's important to start with Y instead of X. Sorry. Bad Cartesian coordinate joke, everybody. Thanks for not turning us off. Uh, (laughs) Since this is the first episode of a brand new year, we also asked Gabby for advice on how to fuel yourself and stay healthy while you're changing the world in your own unique way. How's that for inspirational? Totally. So without further ado, let's make like a vector and forge ahead with magnitude and direction into this (laughs) episode. Okay. Just stop. I'm done. (laughs) Hey, Gabby. Hi. How are you guys doing? We are good. We are really good. Hey, Christina. We (laughs) We are in three time zones. 
And it's uh, one of our specialties on the show. It is one of our specialties on the show. Yeah, and across a body of water as well, which is pretty. I'm a little bit jealous uh, that that my two, you know, fellow tall compatriots tonight. You're in LA and Hawaii, both of which are warm right now. (laughs) Am I correct in, in making that assertion? Yeah, it's warm. Yeah. How yeah. is you're in Kauai, Gabby? Is that where you um, are? I am. I'm on the north shore of Kauai and um it's been really rainy, but it is still warm and it's pretty. I was in New York like two weeks ago, but I was there literally when it was fifty degrees. It was Yeah, warm. it was fake warm. <laughs> yeah, it was like warm for, I was there for thirteen hours, literally. Oh my god. And I was like, yeah, it's warm. (laughs) (laughs) How long are you in Kauai for half of the year? Are you guys there for six months? Yeah. So what we do is when we originally met in 95, my husband, I was competing, playing volleyball. And uh, my season is summer. And I was living in California. And his big wave season, the same low pressures that bring snow bring big waves. So people don't realize that there's elements of surfing that are basically wintertime and it even flip-flops. Like in the Southern Hemisphere, their big season is in our Northern Hemisphere summer. So we started doing that um, out of, I mean, it's silly to call it a job, but those were our jobs. And um, <laughs> we've sort of kept that going. So we base out of Hawaii kind of mid-late no- October through April, and then we head back to California April and then base out of there until the winter again. That's awesome. Have you guys just terrible, like, yeah. terrible life you have? <laughs> I know. I cry every day. I'm just trying to survive it. But you know. <laughs> yeah, at this point, do you guys just have a rhythm? Like, it must just feel really natural that, like, yeah, it's Hawaii season and now it's California yes. time. Yes, you know, it's funny when the clocks change and it gets dark in LA about four forty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole family starts looking west. Um, so I think the migration feels really natural, even for the kids, our oldest daughter's in college, but the younger two, mm-hmm. um, but you know, like anything, it's like when you think about people going on a family holiday, yeah. the transitions there and back are always worth at least a comical, uh, <laughs> a, a comical look at everybody, you know, getting on everyone's nerves of unpacking, packing, locking up, shutting down. Uh, okay. Op- you know, doing all that, but it's, you know, these are uh, pretty girl problems, so I, they're fun. <laughs> But we're, it's, it is comedy. It's worth, how, like, a laugh. How do you handle the school thing for your kids? The, my middle daughter is 13, and she is doing uh, Stanford, has a, a middle school and high school curriculum program that she opted to do. I, you know, I always joke and say that we're not really that, like, we haven't been known as the most intellectual family in the world. And uh, so she's doing that. And then my youngest is eight, and she's in fourth grade, and she's homeschooled as well. And she has a teacher. So the middle one meets with a tutor once a week when they're talking about subject matter, that's pretty rigorous because they have mm-hmm. the teachers online, but just to yeah. kind of get some hands on. And then the younger one goes every day for about three, you know, two or three hours. Cause that's mm-hmm. all pretty much that they can concentrate and uh, totally. works on her academics and then they do other stuff. That's so awesome. That's awesome. Your 13 your year old is definitely self-driven. It sounds like, like very much so. I think I, I know this sounds bad because I'm the parent, <laughs> but she has romanticized this thing about Stanford, which I can appreciate, but she's naturally a really curious kid. And what I've seen though, is part of that now that she has this kind of stress around the education, which of course work or any anything rigorous has an element of stress, but it, it, Mm -hmm. I do feel her shifting a little bit from kind of the fun and curiosity of learning to getting it done. So Mm. to be honest, there's a part of me that's like, there's a lot of ways to be educated. And, Mm -hmm. um, just because it has a fancy name, I'm not more impressed. And, um, you know, so it's, it is, it's always a dance. Cause you know, the idea would be that you kind of set them out into the world with a mind that is interested in learning and not just like absorb, regurgitate, spit out, forget, but Mm -hmm. really, you know, but I understand there's obviously, and I understand this very well, there's a lot of things in life that are not unpleasant, but you know, do you have things in life that are unpleasant? But this one, I don't know, the the verdict's still out for me on this one. Uh, And is your daughter tall now? Is she, uh, is she about to be as tall as you? Yeah, that, that, um, my middle daughter, uh, Reese is, a, she's about almost six feet and she's close to, she's a lot more powerful than I am. She's uh, <laughs> probably close to about 170 pounds. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah Christina. She, is, she's, uh... a, she's built more like my husband. She's a. <sighs> it's a very interesting mix because she's also hyper feminine. She's the most feminine looking of all my daughters mm. in her face and her physique is she's ready to solid. Yeah. So it's cool. I mean, I'm like, congratulations, you know, like do stuff with that. But <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Christina is six feet tall. I'm five, nine and you are six, three, right? I think. I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're like in this perfect three inch apart split. I always thought I was tall. And then I met Christina and I was like, no, Christina's tall. And I'm sure if you were standing mm-hmm. here, we'd be like, no, Gabby, you're tall. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like everything in life. There's always someone with mm-hmm. yeah. the next. I think so being true. around sports for so long, I met so many women so much bigger than myself and so much more powerful mm. that um, I remember the you know the first few times kind of getting used to that. I was like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be the tall girl. <laughs> <laughs> then you just go, hey, you know what? Great. Bravo. You know, uh, totally. and celebrate them. I, I think that that's one great thing about sports for sure is you you learn to really celebrate other women's kind of badassness um, because it's pretty evident. And the best is like, if you're on the same team, then you're like, well, her, her greatness is helping me. So I think mm-hmm. it's great. I love um, that. Well, that that's a perfect segue. There's so many reasons why we wanted to have you on the show today. Certainly talking about athletics is, is one of them. We thought we'd kick it off as we like to do with an article that has something to do with, with you and your life. Christina, you found this article. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? I did. Yeah. So um, I originally had sort of heard about this theory and a little bit of this research through Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand's book. Now, Kirsten uh, played, I think, softball in college. And in her book, she talks quite a bit about how the research tying playing team sports, uh, particularly through the collegiate level and tying it to women who end up in leadership roles in politics or in business um, and really kind of looking at that correlation and what is it about team sports that prepares women uh, so much better, it seems. It's beyond um, what would be kind of a random uh, assignment to take on these leadership roles. And you had just made a statement um, that I thought was interesting where – uh, you know, I too am sort of accustomed to being the tall one. And then I, I hang out with, I have one particular friend who's six four, And when mm-hmm. I'm around her, I'm like, oh, okay. So like, there can be more than just one. There can be more than just me, you know? And it, it, it strikes me a little bit of the shift that you see, I think, in uh, slightly older women, maybe our, my mom's age, at least, uh, and, you know, around that age where there was only one woman in business, in leadership. There could be one at the boardroom table or one in senior leadership, and that was okay. But more than one started to get uncomfortable, and it became slightly more competitive between the women. If there were two, only one could stick around. Sure. And that really isn't true anymore, and that certainly isn't true about how I think women of my generation um, and, you know, Kate's and whatever think about Anne Friedman and, and uh, Amina Sal call it shine theory, where it's like your success uh, shines on me and my success shines on you. And sort of we all lift each other up uh, to your point there. So um, I found this article in Forbes that basically talks about this exact idea that, that there's something about playing team sports um, that uh, sort of in, ingrains in women uh, this idea of uh, of leadership, of team playing, of winning and losing, um, mm-hmm. and getting back up and you know keep going at it. That I think is really interesting. And I wanted to ask: Is your experience and and you know certainly Kate and I have done team things in theater and music, right. but uh, I, did I didn't really play team I pole vaulted briefly, which is not really a team sport. But anyway, continue, Christina. We didn't really do team sports. And I'm wondering, is is like the winning and the losing piece, is that intrinsic to this training that like you can lose and you still get up and play again? Or there's that competition. Um, Is that important in this idea of leadership training? Or is it more just the team based thing, in which case, you know, any good musical production will do? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, if you're talking about music, for example, um, the level of discipline that's required to do something like that, I think you don't uh, pick up a piece of music uh, and just do it correctly. So there is an element of their own version of winning and losing during that learning process, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that really has more to do, I think, the overarching would be uh, perseverance versus the winning and the losing. I think 
the getting up from the losing is the perseverance and the same with the music where um, you have a section that's very difficult and you're not able to do it and then you can do half of it and then you can, you know, I think mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of that is maybe the, the most important element of that. Um, and th listen, there's something to be said for on some level on the other side of that in sports where you are willing to uh, stick your neck out and be humiliated if you, or don't reach your goals in front of lots of people and lose mm -hmm. and be strong enough within yourself and within your team, hopefully to say, I feel strong enough, not only about who I am, but the reasons that I'm doing this, that I will continue um, regardless if I, feel defeated temporarily or something like that. I think that all plays into it. And I think it's, there's so many lessons, you know, unfortunately we always say lessons always come from the hard times. Lessons always come from the losing. Um, you went, you learn nothing by winning and you, you accept how to win, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that is mm -hmm. important because there's another side of this, which is young women. And there's only a handful. I always say, usually they have a few, two or three older brothers sort of think winning is my right and I'm going to take it. Um, usually we're, well, you know, nice girls do this. And there's even studies about if you and I are playing volleyball, let's say, and you could beat me 15 to one, let's say, mm -hmm. or, you know, 22 to four, because the scoring's different. Mm -hmm. um, you'll play, you'll be playing me and then the score will be eight zero. Then it might be 10 two. then it might be 16, seven, then it might be, you know, 2011. And even though you could have beat me 22 for you don't because you want to win, but you don't want to hurt my feelings. Mm. And boys don't have that. They don't contend with it. It doesn't occur to them. Yeah. Um, and so there's just so many different dynamics um, that go into the development that occurs, I think. And I think it is different for women than men. I think men are, are encouraged to be aggressive um, they learn early. It's not personal. I, I think their physiology goes to that a little better. There's very few girls, and they're the lucky ones, that be, that are like, well, what do you mean? I can win, so why don't I? Not, yeah. ooh, did I hurt my friend's feelings, and I don't want to get singled out, and I don't, you know, it's all that. One of the reasons why I so wanted to have you on the show is I was on Heather Dubrow's show recently, and I was listening uh -huh. to your episode on her show where you talked about the fact that you – started playing volleyball, it wasn't until 11th grade, right, that you, I, I think, joined the team. But you were talking in this context of diversification. And you mentioned that how, you know, almost every athlete from your generation probably played somewhere between two and four sports in school. And that you feel like we miss something as athletes and as humans when we don't diversify. Obviously on this show, we're all about diversification and having multiple interests. Can you talk more about that? How, you know, how you sort of diversified as an athlete growing up and, and just the power of diversification in your skill set? Well, I, I, it's not that I didn't have a choice, but the, my generation of athletes, that's just what you did. So, mm. you know, you, you, you played, volleyball and then you went to basketball season and then in between there you were sort of transitioning into softball and probably if girls were fast enough they were somehow involved with track and field and so or you know talent like if they were doing um, a high jump or whatever um mm -hmm. I just think you're then around different groups um of athletes because you would have girls let's say maybe maybe they were better in softball so that was like their thing mm -hmm. and then you would flip over and the group would move to one other sport and um then another group sort of would excel so i think there's a couple of dynamics going on one being learning to participate even when you're not the best mm -hmm. um learning to um develop different physical and mental skills because maybe something comes very easy for you so how do you respond when something isn't easy for you and how do you go about that learning process and and uh dealing with your anxiety of that or looking bad or you know all the things especially when you're that age because it's already you know challenging enough yeah totally um and and also doing it for the idea of the experience of doing it, you know, I fell into sports and I know, and I, I'm very clear that it's much more competitive now. And it's like, Hey, you got to get your, if it's volleyball, man, they got to be playing club all year round because if the colleges are going to look at them, they need to be there. Mm -hmm. So I understand that the template is different, but I also think the parents, because they don't know, cause they're not realistic. The chances are pretty slim 
of anyone getting scholarships. Mm-hmm. Now, for example, let's say it's volleyball and you're at Manhattan Beach and you go to a school called Miracosa High School. Well, they are notorious for pumping them out. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one exception. Mm-hmm. But let's say... Um, And if you're in Texas and you go to a certain high school and you're a football player, maybe that school puts out on average way more division one athletes than another school. Mm -hmm. But overall, you got about 1% of the group heading on to college and then, you know, 1% heading on to the pros. So that's amazing. One, 1%. That's so so tiny. So sometimes you want to say like, well, maybe they should do it because they're first they are having fun mm-hmm. Two, They are learning to work with people for a common goal. If they're in a team sport and by the way, not, they're not going to like all of those people, but they will still figure out the way <laughs> to move collectively towards the common goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for women in particular, the relationship with their body, um, now their body's a tool, right? Versus just, Hey, how do I look? How's my butt look? Like now your body is this thing that moves around and it, you know, does stuff. And you want all of a sudden you're like, maybe I want to be more powerful or, you know, all these things. And and I want to take up space and, you know, all that. And so during one of the most critical times in a young woman's life, she gets to be in this diversified environment. So for example, um, like in basketball and softball, Generally, those girls, their, you know, glutes and legs are bigger and it's for a reason. And so just how they're relating to all of that, I think is, I don't want to say it's healthy. It's just somehow kind of liberated. And and then also think about this. Then they're celebrated for hard work and like kind of being badass, Mm -hmm. right? They go through their school and everyone's like, oh, yeah, good game, whatever. Not just you're so pretty. Yeah. And I'm not knocking the pretty girl. I think it's great. Like if you got born that way and that's the way it's working out for you, that's great. I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is to be identified or known just for that in the end will bite you in the worst way, I think, because time, you know, time moves. Well, one of the things that I love uh, that you said about that is sort of getting used to not being the best, at everything, right? Rotating from like the sport that you might be exceptional into a sport that you're not and, and learning how to learn and be okay, not being, not being the best at that. I know that's certainly something that I continue to struggle with. (laughs) Um, So you went from being a professional athlete Mm -hmm. to being an entrepreneur and an author and a public speaker. Um, So what part of your athlete world translated to these new careers and what did you have to learn from the ground up that you weren't necessarily the best at when you started? Oh gosh. Well, first of all, I don't think what people realize is that the entire time I was playing ball professionally, I was in fact cultivating um, the other skill sets. I was already writing. I was already running around doing television and diversifying. I don't know that I had gotten so aggressive trying to pursue business, but I certainly was trying to develop other skills because, well, one, um, I had a couple ideas about it, which, which was while I was playing and people were, were excited about the fact that I was playing, I could utilize that to my benefit. But also my sport is such that as a platform on itself, it's actually not enough. Did you always know that? Like, did you always know that I did. being a volleyball? I did. Yeah. How did you, was that just sort of an inherent thing of this yeah. volleyball is going to be one part of my puzzle? I did. And, and just the realities, you know, like if I was a tennis player and let's say you were top five or 10 female tennis player, if you could focus on being just that, right? Like 90% of my time was spent, my lion share of my time was spent training. Hmm. And I was, I'm good at that. Like if you say, Hey, six, seven hours a day, five, six days a week, I'm down. I can just lock in and go. Um, If I could have done that, if I was a tennis player, that would have been enough. You would have made um, a healthy enough living that, in fact, it maybe wouldn't have dawned on me. Hmm. But I think the fact that, first and foremost, based on my upbringing, survival has always been the most important thing to me. So I think that trait kind of has me always have my eyes open a little bit because I don't, I'm not like the most trusting, like, Oh, this is so great. It's like, yeah. Okay. Um, talk more. What do you mean by that? Survival is the most important thing. Um, when I was two years old, um, 
and and this is not a knock on my parents in any way, shape, or form. You know, you come to a place where you start to realize everybody did the best they could. But mm-hmm. when I was two, I I got whooping cough, and my mother. Um, I always joke that it sounds ridiculous, but she was working training dolphins in a circus in Mexico City, wow. and her and my father were not together any longer. Like actually training dolphins in a circus in Mexico City. Oh yeah. Try to figure like a six foot two and a half <laughs> oh my gosh. blonde woman with like a pearl one piece bathing suit on the whole nine yards. Oh but, my goodness. And where were you okay. while she was well, doing so that? I was with her. I think my best friend at the time's mother was the contortionist, but uh, Oh my yeah. gosh, that's <laughs> incredible, Gabby. That wow. So ridiculous. But but <gasps> okay, anyway, sorry. so continue. She, she had, no, I mean, I know it's so funny, but she you know, she's a very athletic woman and um my, her and my father weren't together, and, and uh, he was living in California, and she had neighborhood fam, um, a couple that she grew up with. So, like, around the corner, you know, like, in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were from Long Island, and they ended up getting married, and he went to Vietnam. And then when he came back, and this is about 72, I ended up living with them for five years without either one of my parents. And then my father passed away during that time when I was five. And so... I think, and then when I moved back in, I, it just wasn't very stable. So I think I've always kind of had it triggered really early. Like you better be looking way down the road because no one's going to figure it out for you. So you better figure it out. So I think that that gearing, it's better, a little bit better now, but it was, it can be exhausting, Mm -hmm. but I will say I'm so grateful for it because it gave me a different skill that maybe some other people didn't need to have, um, but inevitably ended up really helping me. So I always, always, I was always looking ahead, Mm -hmm. but I was all, I was also understood to try to identify who I was, what I was good at and how that could plug into something that was ahead. So I was doing that, um, by the time I was 18 or 19 and then I turned pro at 22. So I was definitely locking into that, you know, early on. Did you have mentors growing up outside of the family circle? Is that something that you sought out or did you kind of just muscle it on your own? No, I I think it's really hard, especially when you're young. I just think it's hard anytime to muscle it all on your own. I think, (laughs) you know, it's, I think it's really hard. So I was so fortunate, you know, where I was lacking in sort of the traditional um, people that were you know, supposed to be there and do it. I had, well, for imagine the couple who raised me for five years that them for, you know, for start my mm-hmm. aunt and uncle Joe, and then just, you know, family, friends through the years. And then once I moved to Florida, um, my junior year of high school, um, I had a basketball coach. His name is Dean souls who used to like, you know, make me go eat with him and his family after practice and tell me just to get along with my mother or take me to church I I had a boyfriend in, in that same time whose family was, you know, very together family. And then certainly uh, one of the most powerful ones was my college coach. Uh, her name is Cecile Renaud. And just people that gave me enough stability and belief and also valuable lessons, you know, personal accountability, hard work, you know, love, whatever it was. So I think I've always been really fortunate that, that I've had those types. I mean, what two people taking a kid that's not theirs at two years old and then have to give me up at seven. And I was not an easy kid because my eight year old is a lot like me. And I see her and I go, <laughs> the only one who could love this kid is the mother. <laughs> so, And I'm kidding, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like really not like, Oh, what an easy kid. So <laughs> I think I've always been aware of that. And I don't know. I think it just dawned on me. I graduated at 17 and about 15 or 16 years old. I was like, you know, pretty soon your life is going to be your own. And what do you want that to look like? Because acting out and rebelling at the end, at the end game really only hurts the person. So I decided that that probably wasn't going to be the way I wanted to go. So before you, you know, got really involved in volleyball, like, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do after school? Like what you wanted to be when you grew up? Did you know that sports was going to be a part of it? No, zero. Wow. Zero. I mean, I was tall and my mother's very athletic and I probably have some natural athleticism and also Mm -hmm. clumsiness combined, you know, being six foot three. Um, I have a lot of both. Were you playing volleyball one day and someone was like, you, Gabby, you have talent. (laughs) How did it, how did it happen? No, no. I think, you know, I I dabbled a little bit when I lived in the Virgin Islands when I was in about 10th grade. Um, 
I went my senior year. I was actually better in basketball because of that coach. He was just a very good coach, so he accelerated my um, learning curve. But um, I got recruited. I went to two club tournaments my whole career, and I was, you know, I got offered scholarships, and I was like, oh, it must be because I'm really tall. And <laughs> and then, you know, the running joke was I learned mostly how to play volleyball in college. Really learned how to play volleyball. Um, in the pros. And actually, I believe if I had been born with a different belief system or started a little earlier, I feel that I, I could have been so much better. But I just was kind of, you know, doing it as I went and trying to figure it all out and, and such. Yeah. So so you're playing volleyball pro. And while you're doing that, you're like starting to pursue other things. You're, you're mm -hmm. balancing things. How did you kind of, how did you balance being a pro athlete with also, you know, hosting and modeling and, and doing these other pursuits? Well, and I guess I would uh, tack onto that question. How did you decide what the other pursuits were? Was it mostly opportunistic things that fell in your lap? Or did you have an idea of other things that you really wanted to proactively go after? Uh, I think it was a combination more of what I went after versus fell on my lap, but you always have a, a little bit of the other as well. Um, I always had an interest in writing and I'm not really sure why. So I had worked with a photographer named Gilles Ben Simone, who at the time, all through the eighties and the nineties, he shot every single cover for Elle magazine. It was the creative director and had a lot of pull. And so yeah. I worked with him from 1988 and then in 92 when I was turning pro and he was very, always really supportive because he thought it was cool that I was an athlete, <laughs> but yet I was, you know, modeling. I said, Jill, I want to write for the magazine every month. And he said, okay, I'll put you in touch with somebody. And so I had a column, I think for like two or three years Wow. and it was in my wheelhouse. So it was like about exercise or fitness or something in that tone. And then I had heard, uh, Dan Cortez who used to host a show called MTV sports mm -hmm. had gotten her doing the show. And then it floated to me and I heard about it. And I said, I want to do that and because you always had to try everything. Um, because I always felt really comfortable in front of the camera. So I, I had a sense that I probably could do it. And also I, I feel naturally pretty curious. So I was always interested in like, well, what are these athletes doing? That's, I mean, that's fun. So <laughs> I, I never picked things that felt like, oh, I should do them just to do them. I, I picked things that felt like I would like to do it. I think I can do a good job and I should do it. Um, and I think sometimes where people get into trouble is they go, okay, like modern day athlete talk. I need to build my brand. They don't even really know what that means. Hmm. <laughs> so true. Right? So they go, oh, I'm going to build my brand. It's like, okay, what does that brand represent? What is it? What are you, what are you about? But but also it was an easier time to navigate that. It was, I was right. I had the, what it is, is I always joke that the land was cleared by like the Navratilovas, the Chris Everts, the Billy Jeans, all those girls before. So we had an open field, but it yet it wasn't filled with a bunch of people yet. So myself, Mia Ham, Cheryl Swoops, there was a group of us that came in right then mm. that we had, a we had quite a, bit of opportunity, I think, you know, com compared to today, it's, you know, much more competitive and tricky. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell. How do you give advice or how do you serve as a mentor to up and coming female athletes who are looking at your career and saying, I want to model after that. And you're saying, well, it's a different time now. How do you think about giving them advice that helps them navigate a very different uh, environment? Well, you know, first of all, I, I, I believe in empowering other people, but certainly other female athletes. But what I always encourage them is to figure out what their voice is truly, because Carrie Walsh, for example, is a great friend of mine. And I'm always for like 10 years going, what's your long-term plan? What's your long-term strategy? What do you want to do? You know, because for me, you know, the amount of work that she in particular has put in, I believe she deserves a big platform when it's all done and said, and one that doesn't take her actually playing the game. And she'll say, well, I want to do stuff like kind of like you've done. And I'm like, but I'm doing that or I've done that. So mm-hmm. it's always about pushing them in a way that it's like, yes, but you're uniquely and specially you. So mm-hmm. let's figure out what that voice is. And, you know, she's an easy example because she's one of two, if not the greatest to ever play pretty easy to figure out besides being lovely, sweet, 
charismatic, all these other things, just straight statistics. It's like, well, she has a lock on that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's more, it's more of that. But the problem is, is everybody always looks outside and there's a lot of white noise. I grew mm-hmm. up in the Caribbean. We had two TV channels. You spend a lot of time with yourself. So your sense of understanding of who you are, you are not distracted. Now they have to pay attention to four types of social media. It's coming at them all day long. When did they get that opportunity to develop truly who they are all the way without being overly influenced by the outside? Yeah. That's why I like coming to Hawaii because it's almost like another opportunity for me to continue that very quiet cultivation of who are you? Who are you? Where are you? Where are you now? Not also, where was I 20 years ago? Where am I right now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to encourage them. Yeah. I was going to say, is that how you figured out your own voice? Did it just kind of come with trying stuff out and seeing what felt authentic? Did it come with a lot of quiet time whenever you could have it? How did you, how did you find your own voice? Well, I think it came early in certain ways because I had to really trust myself because I didn't really trust the people around me. So I had to really go like, no, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. And then as you get older, it's kind of learning to trust that, but also know that that's the only way to go. Like you're you, I'm me. I'll never be you. You're great at being you. (laughs) I will never be great at being you. (laughs) I have to figure out the way to be really good at being me and, and people it's scary. And, but I think it's like anything. I think once people do it once and they go, yeah, that's right. Then they get the confidence to go, even when it's hard, even when it's dark, even when I'm unsure, even when I don't believe in myself, I know that is the only way. And it's important. It's just the only way. And and the other side of that is, not buying into, it's like when I meet parents all the time, well, my daughter's only 5'8", and I go, listen, if she loves volleyball that much and she's that dedicated, you cannot let anyone tell her she won't be able to play because she's 5'8", because by the way, there's a gazillion examples of people 5'8", that are kicking ass in volleyball, so yes, they're sort of the norm and you want to be realistic, but then you have to go, well, who's that person? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a common question that we get from listeners on our show. We have a lot of listeners who, like us, have a lot of different skills. How do you now, knowing that there's so many things you can do, how do you pick your projects? How do you pick what to focus on? Well, it has a a few markers in it, which is um, how much do I care about it? Uh, How much is it really a part of who I am or my real life? In what way will it translate in a bigger way? Because it's also understanding where it lives. Does it live in a small place that's more of a passion project? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's something that can be legitimate and something bigger that could translate to a more mainstream type of business? So I think you have to kind of, everybody's in love with all their own ideas, but then sometimes you just have to try to get as realistic as possible mm-hmm. and be like, I'm in love with this idea and I know it's for me and 10 people. Great. The, do that, but know that. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, But then again, see, there's another side. Like I live with somebody who's more like an artist and a dreamer. And then because of that, but he has the most intense amount of perseverance I've ever seen of any person Mm. is, well, that's not possible. And then it is possible. So Mm -hmm. it's this weird thing of like, but ultimately he's still doing everything because he wants to. He's not trying to sell it. So Mm -hmm. again, there's sometimes you do things where it's, purely for yourself. Sometimes you do things, it's purely to give back. And then just every once in a while, you might have something where you go, hmm, this could potentially have a bigger play. Um, and let me understand why the reasons I'm doing it. Like if it's just mm-hmm. for money, you'll, you'll, you'll peter out before the thing ever takes off. Yeah. Um, usually. So it's, you have to have a real understanding about why you're doing things and you have, it needs to really organically, like I don't sell anything or talk about anything that isn't really in some way a real part of my life. Otherwise, there's a disconnect and it doesn't work. I love so that. So one of the the things that you've recently taken on is your podcast, The Truth mm-hmm. Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. What do you talk about there? Why did you decide to to add a podcast to your projects? Well, I think like writing, the notion of interviewing other people and finding out what they're good at or what they're interested in or what they can teach us. Um, I really like that because I think that's really part of the idea of progressing 
as we move through life. And so the joke was we, we do this pool training at my house when we're in California, uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And so we have a really unusual array of people. We have what one would say have civilian jobs. We have actors. We have professional athletes. We have it all. I've seen this pool training, Gabby. It, it's You're underwater with weights. Is that what it is? It <laughs> yeah, looks it's really a, epic It's a way to do awesome. ballistic training without hammering your body basically in a nutshell oh it forces gosh. you to breathe very well your training compression i mean there's a there's a host of things of why it's beneficial um initially if you're not a water person you might be like whoa but no yeah. this sounds terrifying to me <laughs> well that's what i mean but there's ways you can you can start in the three feet and you can move down we've got a slope so you can go to five and, and so forth but it's pretty great. But what happens is we also have a sauna, a big um, 10 foot, I mean, um, excuse me, 10 person sauna. Mm. And then we have ice tubs on the outside. So you kind of do your rounds in the training in the pool. Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? And then you pop in the sauna for about 15 minutes. And then you go to the ice tub, God willing, for three minutes, oh right? My and, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. What we started realizing is we started calling the sauna at my house the truth barrel because you're there, you're in your bathing suit. Um, <laughs> you got about 12, 15 minutes before it's just too hot to even talk about anything. And if I had an issue, I could discuss it with my friends inside the sauna or there was a lot of exchange of information. Either way, it was sort of like you realize, wow, the best conversations happen in the barrel. So when I got the opportunity and I was approached about doing it uh, from podcast one, they said, do you want to bring anyone in, in the meeting? And um, I said, I do. Uh, so Neil Strauss, I found myself being on his cycle a lot in the sauna. Like, you know, sometimes you end up going with certain people and whatever. Mm. And we're very, very different. We have radically different views about men and women, so much so that we fight 50% of the time when we talk about that. <laughs> um I don't know, for whatever reason, I intuitively thought he would make a, a really interesting partner. And so, hence, that's how it started. That's awesome. What are you most interested in discovering or, or exploring on the show, delving into? I think for me personally and selfishly, I'm trying to figure out, first of all, I mean, parenting is always the trickiest thing. And I'm, mm -hmm. always, I'm very interested in learning about not only how to be a better parent, but I have, you know, my the girls are all so different. I think for me also, there's some hardwiring that I personally have that I wouldn't mind. And I've unwound some of it, but just unwinding more of it. So we have like linguistics experts in there. We have all different types of people. And so just little suggestions they make, I kind of go, you know, that would probably be really good to use in my own life. So mm -hmm. I think for me, it's that it's like, how do you enjoy your life more, relax, get rid of worry because it's not productive? You know, my eight-year-old is a worrier too. We're like born five days apart. And really? I'm, I, yeah, and I can see it. I thought it was just my environment, but I see she has some natural tendencies. And I try to talk to her about it. I go, well, when you worry, what's different? And she's like, well, nothing. And I go, I know, right? I love that. <laughs> I love that. And so just even trying to teach her like, like, for example, I had a woman in there. She's a parenting expert. And so I say, I always tell my daughters, you know, please, two things we're not going to be in our house. We're not going to be victims and we're not going to be liars. And she says, okay, but why would you not say, you know what? We're going to be honest and personally accountable. Mm -hmm. Instead of bringing attention to what we're not going to be, let's bring attention to what we are going to be. Mm. That's pretty smart. I can see why she's a parenting expert. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it's, it's, it's those little things yeah. that I would, and it's also like this, can you be the ultimate friend? I don't even want to say girlfriend. Can you be somebody that you can count on that no matter what, can I always be somebody that will t give more than they take and hopefully provide something, whether it's just one idea that someone can go, you know what, I'm going to try that. Because I think if mm -hmm. we all did that and do that, like you guys are doing that, mm -hmm. then we can elevate the whole everyone and make already very busy lives easier. And I could spend my time doing that. Totally. Well, somewhat on a related track to that, this is our first episode in the new year. And as you know, many people like to make resolutions to be healthier at the start mm -hmm. of a new year, mm -hmm. only to lose sight of those resolutions as the year progresses. So <laughs> sure. what can you share with our listeners? I know health and wellness and uh, nutrition, exercise, stress management, all things that you focus on. 
What can you share with our listeners to help them stay motivated and on track to build wellness into their lives in 2017? A lot of our listeners, a lot of what we call human Venn diagrams, were some of the busiest and most stressed out people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think at first, and it's so cliche, but I'm going to say it, it's first setting out what do you want? What are your goals, right? Some people might say, oh, it's weight loss. It's so I sleep better, whatever. So first come in connection with your reasons why mm-hmm. you even think it's important. Mm-hmm. I can so tell why. you why it's important, but if you don't understand for yourself why it's important, it doesn't matter. Well, if I tell you 10 reps and avoid carbs, that means nothing. So first it's coming in contact with this. If you met somebody who was in the hospital and not well, would you say to them, do you want a bigger house or do you want your health? Chances are they're going to say, I want my health. And I always say, don't lose your health in order to value it. So just that that. thought, um, because we're all running around, right? We're running around, we're running around, Mm -hmm. we're crazy. Everybody relies on us. But the truth of the matter is we're all replaceable, all of us, even LeBron James and even, you know, everybody's (laughs) replaceable. And (laughs) Sometimes it's, it's like, you know, I, I can, I'm using like Abraham Hicks as an example. Like when we can actually really take care of ourselves, we are more generous and able to take care of others way better. And that means our business. So, so getting true. to that place, right, where you go, yo, this is the, I have to, because to be a better partner, parent, CEO, whatever, I got to take care of this. And so first deciding that that feels important. If you're not there yet, it doesn't matter what I tell you. And then it's not about all at once going, okay, it's January 1st. I'm switching the whole thing. It's that's not real realistic (laughs) either. It's this, you call your, the one person, whoever it is, you, it could be the person you live with. It could be a person you're not even great friends with, but they'd be the best person to train with whoever it is and go, listen, how about this? Do you think we could create a schedule that we meet three times a week and we either go to the gym, we take that class, we walk, whatever it is. And you start penciling that thing that day in. And I always joke that if you're a parent, you don't always feel like going to school and picking up your kid, but you wouldn't go, well, you know what today I'm just not going to make it right. Right. Like you go. So (laughs) you get it. And then the other part of it um, that I would encourage people is that really I could exercise eight hours a day, seven days a week. But the key is the food. It it just is. And the problem with the food is we eat it when we're happy. We eat it when we're sad, when we're bored, when we're lonely. And so it is a drug, right? So we use it as that. So Mm -hmm. I'd say if we could look at the food and say, let's eat real food. Let's try to avoid foods in bags and cans and that can live 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's eat when we're hungry. If we do it when we're stressed out or bored, can we substitute that with a different something Mm -hmm. other than food? Um, if you mm. drink, I mean, coffee in the morning is fine, but if you drink other types of drinks, except maybe an unsweetened green tea, get rid of it because Americans drink about 20% of their calories. So if you want to get rid of about 20% of your calories, if you're drinking other things, mm-hmm. even healthy juices, cause it doesn't exist. They're just loaded with sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we all really actually know what to do. We do. It's all the information's out there. But I think sometimes we, I guess it has to do with our definition of success. So for me, is success having a gazillion dollars in the bank or is success trying to live, you know, a healthy kind of as balanced as I can life? Now, there are people out there who are working two and three jobs just to make ends meet. And that's a very different situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for those, those people, all I want to say is, if they can find, I swear to them, five minutes a day to sit quietly and just do deep breathing, start there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love just hearing you lay out things that are truly fundamental and and building blocks because, you know, when you're working on a bunch of projects and you're just trying to, you know, go out there and leave your mark on the world, it's just easy to forget the basics. You know what I mean? As powerful as they are. Well, the um, thing I love about that advice, too, it reminds me of Simon Sinek's uh, first ever TED Talk, mm-hmm. uh, Start With Why, right? Yeah, absolutely. Start with why. Absolutely. And you, and you keep why at the center of uh, behavioral change, or in his case, it was you know, sort of selling to customers. But mm-hmm. if you start with why and not what, you'll yes. have that very clear, true north of like, yes. nope. I'm going to do it because this is why it matters. That's the litmus That's right. test. And, yeah. and the other thing to remind people is 
if you are the CEO and you're accumulating great wealth or you're uh, becoming a well-known artist of sorts, it's not sustainable. So why do we pursue things thinking that we can keep it at a level that it's not sustainable? Everything Mm -hmm. is cyclical. So in the interim of the cycle, we should be taking care of ourselves because Mm -hmm. our real life relationships, our bonds with our family and our friends and our health, that is something that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. But mega anything, mega fame, mega power, mega money, mega whatever, I don't care who you, I mean, like Caesar's gone, uh, you know, like it's just not. (laughs) So at some point we take ourselves all so serious and it's like, yo, we're all a grain of sand anyway. So we should at least take care of ourselves because then we'll feel good. Absolutely. I'm just going to start using that phrase. Caesar's gone, (laughs) y'all. I love it. Speaking of sustainable, we wish our show could go on forever in this hour, but it is time for a tradition of our show called the lightning round. Gabby, we'll give you the quick rundown about this. So we are just going to ask you a handful of really fun, quick questions. And the whole point of the lightning round is to just answer with the first thing that pops into your head. No judgment, no, no thinking too hard, whatever comes to mind. Okay. So uh, I'll kick it off. The first question we always ask is what are you reading right now? What am I reading? Well, I have a few books. I'm reading Sapiens, which is my favorite right now. Mm. And um, somebody gave me a book, Gluten is My Bitch. And um, <laughs> it's just um, a recipe book on gluten. But my serious book is Sapiens at the moment. It's, I, I highly recommend it. Awesome. Um, next question. We don't really believe in guilty pleasures. We just believe in pleasures. So mm-hmm. what is your pleasure after a particularly grueling day or week or month? Um, anything that would involve chocolate and peanut butter, I pretty much would go for it, oh, I'd say. Agreed. Uh, I'm or, a big fan. I'm, I'm aligned with that. Thereof. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, is there, a, is there a new food? Is there something that you've been really wanting to try, whether to incorporate in your cooking or just in your diet that you really want to explore this year and, and try out? You know, uh, I, it sounds ridiculous, but I've been uh, eating a little bit more fermented foods and um, mm. I'm trying to... I think I'm going to, my cousin has a SCOBY now for kombuchas, so I'm going to try. I'm. Oh. This is probably going to be humorous to start making my own kombucha, but we'll see how is that Is a SCOBY <laughs> the thing? We're not supposed to do follow-up questions, it's but I'm breaking the It's the alien the gross mother is what it is. Yeah, oh. it's, it's the thing that starts the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sourdough yeast, uh, what yeah. is that called? Like Mushrooms. Starters. Yeah. Right. And, and the disgusting. thing is, is it, it looks, everybody else makes it so good. Why don't I just keep buying it? But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I but, would, but I would it's a actually fun challenge. ask that question. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christina, you're Question turn. four. In an alternate world where you never started playing volleyball, what career do you think you would have pursued after college? Well, I mean, the obvious would have been I probably would have just continued modeling until they kicked me out and I figured out something else. But <laughs> I had, I mean, honestly, I thought I was probably going to work in a gift shop growing up in St. Thomas. So, I mean, everything was a surprise and a bonus after that. Wow. I love that. Okay, last question. Shout out for a woman who's doing awesome things in sports. Yeah, I mean, I have to, and maybe it's because I know too much about it, but, um, well, two things. Uh, There's a woman named Rachel Belkovic. She is the first female strength coach in baseball, Major League Baseball. Besides that she is a very strong girl, she's a very nice person. And so I give her a lot of props because I, I just can only imagine the environment. Um, what an interesting dance that must be. And, um, so I'll, I'll give it to Rachel and, and I'm always going to give love to Carrie Walsh because for me, her commitment and dedication and, and perseverance is pretty astounding. And, and I think she is always an example of excellence. And, um, so I always give love to Carrie. Awesome. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for joining us. It's been so awesome to have you on the show. Oh, yes, thank, thank you, guys. Hopefully I didn't ramble. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, in the good way of just dropping truths and wisdom. We love it. <laughs> Steve, well, our producer, just made a fake dropping gesture. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> our pleasure. Have a, a very happy new year. Yeah. You too. Aloha, everybody. Aloha. Have a good, have a good new year. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. 
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.